Well, welcome and Merry Christmas. So good to see all of you. Hello. Hello. Um, man, we're just so glad to be celebrating Christmas together with you. Right now, we have this amazing event. So thankful to Schuylkill Haven for allowing us to, to use this, rent this space uh, tonight. And then uh, Tremont's going off, our Tremont campus is going off. There's a couple online. But we're so thankful for this opportunity we have to celebrate together um, the birth of Jesus, and uh, we're just glad you're here. Uh, when we, the, the theme for tonight is All I Want for Christmas. That's kind of the theme that runs this whole Christmas special at all of our locations. All I Want for Christmas is. And when you ask that question, usually people start coming up with a list. You ask a little kid what they want for Christmas, and they'll look up at you with big eyes, and they'll be like, I, I want... I just want some lollipops and a Christmas tree. You're like, no, no, we got that. We already got that stuff. We, I want some G.I. Joes or some new dolls and some little presents, some matchbox. It's so simple and easy when you're a little kid to put a list together of what you think is going to make you happy. You get a little older, like the teenage years, it gets a little more complex. You ask a teenager, like, what do they want for Christmas? They might say something like posty tickets, and you're like, do I have to go to a post office for that? Like postage, what are you talking about? Is that like a stamp? Or what are you collecting stamps now? No, no, like post Malone tickets. I, I want, where do I get post Malone? What is post, what is a post Malone? And why does he have tickets? Or, or they're like, I want some of these jeans, but they have like holes from here to here. You know, the kind that grandma still asks you about. She just wants to get her hands on them to sew some patches onto those things. The older you get, the more coming up with the list gets. And you get, you get older and it just gets downright depressing. <laughs> what do you want for Christmas? That list is sad. You're like, I want the good underwear. <laughs> Not the underwear from Walmart, the underwear from Target. That underwear from Walmart, it keeps riding up in all the wrong, <laughs> all the wrong places. It gets depressing and harder to come up with lists the older you get, and we kind of give up on ask, putting together lists of things that we think will make us happy or bring us joy, and we kind of settle for things that maybe we just need or things that'll just help us get by. We as human beings are really good at creating lists, but our lists aren't always good to us. When I think about the Christmas story, I think, man, probably none of this was on Mary and Joseph's list. When they initially got engaged and were puppy dog in love with each other, you know, the kind of love that doesn't just text, it talks on a cell phone until your ear's going to fall off, like that kind of love, the kind of love that you can't like stop gazing into the eyes of your betrothed. When I think about their dreams when they first got together, I think none of this could have been on their list. I mean, who wants to give birth in a manger and then have a bunch of smelly shepherds visit you straight from the field? Who wants to have some strangers from a foreign land? I don't care if they're bringing frankincense and myrrh. Stop on by. In fact, when you really think about the Christmas story and Mary and Joseph's dreams, as they were starting out on their relationship, there wasn't even a child on their this-will-make-us-so-happy list. At least not a child like this. 
At least not yet. They didn't have, let's leave our comfy, cozy home and travel to Bethlehem because of some stupid governmental census that wasn't on their list. Probably none of it was. At least not the way it happened. And when those angels first interrupted their story, they pitched them a future that would have contradicted so much that was on their list. Their plans and their dreams for the future would have been crushed until they realized that God had something better. And make no mistake, they didn't just sit down in a church service and listen to some preacher in a white sweatshirt and go, oh yeah, God has something better. There were probably a lot of long nights and hard days as they walked out the journey before them until they realized that God's plan was their plan. That his list for them was better than any list they could come up with on their own. We're good at coming up with lists, but our lists aren't always good to us. You make lists. You probably don't write them all down, but you make all kinds of lists. You make lists about what you need to change and what they need to change. Careful, don't look at the person next to you at that point. We make lists about what everybody else is doing wrong and what we're doing right. We make lists about all the things we have to have. We make lists about our needs. We make lists about our wants. We make lists about our dreams. We make lists about our future. We make lists about our past. We make lists about the wrongs done to us. We make lists about the rights that we want done to us. Some of you lose sleep because of the lists that you have rolling around in your head. Some of you wake up early and the first thing you think about are those lists you created that you think will lead you to more happiness. We're good at creating lists, but our lists aren't always good to us. Just like Mary and Joseph were interrupted as they planned out their futures, just in love with each other and dreamed dreams about what their future would look like, their, their lists were interrupted and, and life has a way of interrupting our plans, pulling at the threads of our lists that we think will lead us to more happiness. Life has a way of lowering our expectations. It has a way of ushering in disappointment and hurt and pain. But even in the midst of this Christmas story, even in the midst of your story, God can do his amazing work even as you realize the pain of crushed expectations even as you realize the disappointment that sometimes others can dish out to you, even as you realize the gap that exists between the lists you created that you think will lead to your happiness and the reality that you seem to be stuck in. In that space, when you can let go of your lists and your plans and level up to something better, God can do the absolute incredible. In Haggai, the prophet says this, Haggai 2.9, says, the later glory of this house 
will be greater than the former. And in this place, I will give peace. That prophet was saying, the next chapter with God is always better. That prophet was pointing to the day the Messiah would come and usher in something new, something better than any list you could create. You see, God is in the business of doing new things. And if you roll in here and you're disappointed, you're frustrated, you're tired, you're worn out, your lists aren't adding up to all the happiness you dreamed they once would. God can do, it says in Ephesians 3, more than immeasurably more than you could ask or could imagine. And he wants to do that more for you. So all I want for Christmas, it can't be found on a list. It can only be found in a person. A person who will not disappoint. A person who is better than my expectations. A person who has plans for me and a future for me that are better than any I could come up with on my own. In this Christmas story, when Jesus was, when the angels were interrupting, was interrupting Joseph's list and plan for his future with the news that, that, that said this, like, and how terrifying would this be? Like, hey, by the way, your, your wife is pregnant, and I know it's not yours. It's like God's. Talk about a little bit of shock coming at you. I don't know, man. Like, if that was early in the morning, I'd have been like, what? is going on here? Did I eat some bad mushrooms? Like, what was on that pizza last night? Is somebody messing with me? Who's pranking me today? This cannot be real. God interrupts Joseph, and as he's talking about Joseph, about who Jesus is, and what would happen, and what was going on with Mary, and, and talking about Joseph's role in the life of the Messiah, it says this in verse 22 of Matthew chapter 1. It says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet." The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. I don't know if you know this, but that is a 700-year-old drop into the New Testament Christmas story. If that verse in Matthew 1:22 actually comes from Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, a baby will be born to a virgin and will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, in Isaiah, those were recorded, prophetically pushing us towards Jesus, but also words of hope to this guy named Ahaz. Now, Ahaz isn't in any of your Christmas stories. He's not in any manger scene. He was the king of Judah, and Judah was under attack. The prophet of the Lord came to, to Ahaz and said this, like, here is your sign of victory. This is how you know you're going to win. God's with you. And you know he is with you. The sign that you have been looking for is that a virgin will give birth to a baby and be called Emmanuel. Now, I don't know who you are. Maybe you've missed it in all of the glitter and sparkle. Maybe you've Maybe it hasn't landed because you've heard the Christmas story, I don't know, 30 sometimes, 40 sometimes, and, and it just gets lost. But this baby in the manger is a sign of your coming victory. You feel like you're losing in life, beat up, worn down? This baby in a manger is a sign that there's hope 
that one day you win. That one day you'll step out of the difficult and the disappointing, all the hurt expectations, all the painful circumstances into something better that God has planned for you. This is your sign. Don't miss it. Whoever you are, whatever life has looked like, however difficult or frustrating, however apathetic you feel or disconnected, or however distant God seems to you, this is your sign of victory. God is with you. And God is for you. I know you've heard some jacked up stuff about God. Maybe some people have insinuated that God couldn't be for you because you're not good enough, or you're different, or you don't look the same, or you're not religious enough. I can't tell you how many times I hear that. This baby in a manger is a sign of victory because God is with you and God is for you. No matter who you are, no matter what life has looked like, no matter what past you carry around, no matter what struggles you have, no matter what future you think lays ahead for you, God is with you, and God is for you, and the sign that you search for, the sign you look for, the sign we hope for, is this baby in a manger. In Colossians 1.15, it says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. In Hebrews 1.3, it says Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. And so when I hear another prophecy 700 years old talking about who this Jesus is, it says in Isaiah 9.6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, to you a child is born, to you a son is given. He shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And so all I want for Christmas is this sign of my victory. All I really need for Christmas is knowing that God is real and His name is Jesus. That Jesus is the proof that God is with you and for you. It's your sign that he can do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine. Will you let him? Will you let this be your sign of victory? Will you look at this baby in a manger fresh and new? Take him for who he is. God with us and God among us and God for us. Will you finally believe that he is all that he says he is and will do all that he says he will do and has done all that he said he did, including going to a cross for you, to offer you a new heart, a new hope, a new forgiveness so that you could step into the grace that you so desperately seek in all of the lists we create. Will you let him be your sign of victory through faith, accepting him for who he is? Would you all just pray with me before we close this celebration? God, we thank you for Jesus, this sign of our victory.
just like 700 years ago, a, a beaten up, beat down people full of all of life's problems with circumstances going completely sideways, expectations completely blown out, happiness did not seem in sight, and yet you dropped your word to the king Ahaz that this is the sign of victory. A virgin will give birth, and they will call him Emmanuel. We need that kind of victory. We need that kind of hope. And I pray that anybody sitting here that maybe has not seen this Jesus for who he truly is, God with us and God for us, if anybody hasn't placed faith in his completed work on the cross and through the empty tomb, that right now it would be their moment of faith. They say, I give my life, I need this victory. I give my life to you. God, we're so thankful that we get to celebrate this incredible birthday party for you, Jesus. We pray that you'd fill our hearts with joy through these last couple of songs, that we would celebrate well and just enjoy your presence and the presence of those who love us that we'll be in contact with over the next couple of days. We're just so, so thankful for this baby in a manger. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we all do one thing before I step off stage? I, I hardly ever do it, but since it's Jesus' birthday party and I do not want to go out like Michael Scott saying, Jesus, sorry, your birthday stinks so much. Could we just take a moment, kids especially loud, just cheer like as a big kind of like happy birthday to Jesus on the count of three. Would you yell and scream and say happy birthday as loud as you can with me? One, two, three. Happy, yeah. All right.